been on it all weekend. That was my bad. <laughs> I always tell people I won't be muted. <laughs> I will not be muted. Everybody good? Yeah. Hebrews says the reason we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together is in order that we might stir ourselves up in love and good works. Please don't get in a trap and just come here because this is the church you attend. It happens so easy to us, we don't even realize it's happening. We just wake up and we go, oh man, it's Sunday, we got to get together, we got to get to church. Please don't just try to get to church. Make sure you have communion with God, that you're having relationship with God. Please acknowledge Him when you wake up and commune with Him while you're in the bathroom getting ready. Like, don't just get up and do life and get to church and then start singing to the Lord. It's just not cool. You're never going to get to grow up into Him in all things if that's the case. And what will happen is, you'll let church attendance take the place of knowing Him, but knowing Him is what transforms you in my life. Eternal life is knowing Him. Eternal life is not a prayer that sets you up to go to heaven when you die. Eternal life is when the Spirit of God comes inside of you and causes you to come alive in Him. Are you hearing me? Yeah. So I just want to encourage you in that. Like, like this, is a, this is a corporate time. There's a lot of purposes for the local body. There's a lot of purposes that can be accomplished in a Sunday morning service. There's a corporate celebration. You look around the room and realize you're not the only one. You're never Elijah in the cave. There's other people that believe what you believe. There's other people that have a heart to get up and come and attend here. You want to make sure you make relationships with people of like faith. People that are heading in the same direction. Like, Don't just live isolated and attend church. It's counterproductive. Some people go to a meeting and they're hoping to be loved. And the whole reason you go to the meeting is to be loved. And to make yourself assertive and connections. You see what I mean? I've seen people walk in meetings and leave meetings and they feel hurt or let down or like, well, that wasn't loving or nobody noticed me or nobody said hi. And I'm thinking, how many people did you say hi to? You don't just go to anything for what you get out of it. You go to things for what you can give and how you can participate. I'm not saying these things because anything's wrong here this morning. I'm saying these things to safeguard your heart. So we never get lulled to sleep and just get talked into religion without realizing it. This thing is about being authentic and waking up and actually having a viable relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like not cool to have animosity in your home rushing to get ready for church, blaming each other for being late, and then get there, sit down your purse and your Bible and go, holy... <laughs> it's really not cool. It's really not cool to leave church and actually have true animosity in your car like over where we're going to eat. Don't like get familiar with doing the Lord. He wants to come inside of you. He wants to live in you and He wants who He is to become prevalent in your life. Where you actually walk in mercy and you make peace and you actually love one another. It's not a day, it never was a day, to be frustrated and angry and ticked off and short-fused. Never was a day for that. God never made man for that. God made man for His image and for His glory. And for His life to live vibrantly on the inside. Never was a day to be at odds. Never was a day to have issues, and backbite, and devour each other with our thoughts and our words. Never was a day for that. God never intended that from the beginning.
It's what man became when he lived apart from Him. And we were born into apart from Him, so we learned the language and grew up with the wrong nature. Everybody in this room was born into Adam. And you must be born again. We've turned that into a prayer that benefits me and takes me to heaven someday instead of a truth that transforms my life from the inside out. Never was a day to be proud and jealous and discouraged and full of fear from the beginning. The day Adam ate the tree, the knowledge of good and evil is the day everything he was created to be died. So Jesus came and he died to pay the price to bring that truth back to life. Make it personal. Take it personal instead of one another in life. <laughs> Don't take life personal. Take the gospel personal because that's where you'll find it. That's where your life will be changed. That's where you'll have a fresh perspective to handle everything that comes your way through the day. Because without this truth, life will decide how you're doing. And how things are going will decide how you are. And you'll only be as good as things are unfolding instead of as good as He is inside of you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not Christ out here that you sing to. Not Christ out here that you pray to if you're overwhelmed. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You look at the word glory, and it's any made seen, made known, manifest, realized attribute of God. Anything realized of God is the glory of God revealed. Watch. The Christ in you is the hope of God being seen and known. Oh, we're not waiting for Him to come. He, he has come. Amen. It's time to manifest Him. It's time to make peace, show mercy, put on love. Put on the new man, Colossians 3 who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Put off the old man and his deeds. Put on the new man, who's renewed in knowledge, thinking different. Not about me, about his great name. Not about me, more about others. Preferring others, not only your own interests, but the interests of others, Philippians 2. It's all there, it's in the book. Let's never get reduced to just God helping us to make it. This is not a survival kit, the gospel. We're not trying to make it, we already have. Amen. The goal of the gospel is not to align your circumstances to agree with your preferences. That's why there's discouraged Christians, because we believe that. And we wonder what we're missing, why God's allowing, what door did I open, why is this happening to me, and all of a sudden adversity is teaching us instead of truth. And now we're on the run, and when we pray, we're not even in faith, we're desperate. And then we reduce this book to principles we're quoting, hoping for change, instead of an introduction into covenant and oneness with the living God. Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about the gospel. I see a lot of new faces this morning, so I'm trying to stay calm. I'm actually doing very good. Very good. I'm ten times more fired up right now on the inside than you see. I'm doing that for you. 
I didn't come here to overwhelm you. I came here to bless you. <laughs> but he ain't messing around. Think with me for a minute. This thing is not an Easter story. It's not a Christmas story. Think with me for a minute. If this gospel's true, if this gospel's true, then God Himself took it upon Himself in the sense of who God is to be reduced to a woman's womb and become a man to fulfill what man failed and restore what man was intended to be in him. Yes, Lord. Come on, don't get religious and turn it into a Christmas story. God of the universe put Himself inside the body of a girl to be born as a man to make it right. He must think a lot about what He created us to be in Him. He must think it's worth His life. We probably ought to think it's worth giving ours. <laughs> All He's asking of us is to give up the lie and what we were never created to be. Give up the animosity and the rightness and I need and I feel, well, she shouldn't, and, well, why'd He? Well, I wouldn't be if they didn't. He wants us to give that up because that never produced anything good. You're right. Your wants, your needs, your disgruntlements, mine, none of those ever produced life. Who was ever blessed when they were frustrated? Who was ever excited about their day when they were discouraged? The only reason you were those things is because you were focused on you and who did what and didn't do what and who said what and didn't say what and how you feel. I'm going to thank you. <laughs> but I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> Are you guys good? Yeah. Come on, this is making sense to your heart. I can feel that in my heart. I can perceive that it's making sense to your heart. See, God's given me a grace to not talk in riddles. It's not hard to understand what I'm saying. It, you hear it in your heart. He's created us for this thing. And He's determined to restore it to the degree that he would put himself inside a woman and be born of a woman. Pastor, that freaks me out to this day. I know it. I can teach it theologically. I can see it in the Scripture. But the reality of him doing it amazes me. Yeah. It makes a statement to my heart that he thinks a whole lot about purpose, potential, destiny, legacy, where our lives are concerned. And you think I believe that as a believer? And I'm going to say, well, I don't know. I don't like what they said. Well, I don't like how they looked at me. Well, I'm just upset on my job. Well, I don't like my boss. Well, I wish he changed. Well, I you think I'm going to get caught up in all that stuff and let things out here that don't really matter make the difference and matter? Not today, friend. Tomorrow won't work either. Tomorrow's not the right day for it either. A week from now isn't an option. He has set my heart in the stone of His Word. The unchanging, infallible Word of the living God. He has set my heart to wake up every day and know why I woke up. I didn't wake up to need you or fight you, sir. I didn't wake up for you to fail me, let me down, or put pressure on you. I woke up to be more like Him. 
That frees me up to love you, to see your purpose, your value, your potential. And even if you're not living what he called you to live, I can still see that you're called. Yeah. Yeah. So I ain't changing my mind. I'm done being hurt. I'm done being broken. I'm done letting how people treat me decide me. I'm done letting what one man said or did decide my life or disposition if his name isn't Jesus. Yeah. Because he didn't make me to need love. He made me to be loved. And what got perverted through the fall of man is he got cut off from the source of love and got in need of love. And all of a sudden, life was all about him instead of all about him. And all of a sudden, he was driven to make it instead of shine. And everything got perverted through sin. Ain't that something? So everybody in this room was born into a self-centered desire. Everybody in this room needed value, needed appreciated, needed accepted at a very young age. You were aware of the need of stability. And many of us had hardly any of those things. And it fashioned us and sculpted us and made us into whatever we became, but it wasn't us. At a very young age, you were nothing more than a product of how you responded to what you went through. And then we come up with ingenious ideas and label personality types. and We're being driven. It's survival mode. It's every man for himself. You didn't have a strong family support system and your heart became something because of something. And it's not the real you. Somebody said something they ought to never said. You internalized it, couldn't get over it, and it made you something you were never intended to be. Somebody laughed at you at a young age, and it made you insecure, low esteemed, or it made you hard and a fighter, but it wasn't you. It was a lie, and it was all built on us not knowing who we are from that beginning awareness. We were born into Adam, and we didn't have an identity. We didn't know who we were. People grow up trying to locate themselves. They find out who they are along the way, but what they find out is apart from Him, so it's apart from truth. So they become whatever they become based on their story. Yep, that's it. And you must be born again. And when you get born again, the story dies. Yay! It's no longer your story. It's not about what it was like when you were growing up. It's not about what happened to you when you were four. It's about what happened when you, when you were 24 and you opened your heart to Jesus. And that's where your life begins. And you put off the old and you put on the new. And you recognize that I was being fashioned by things that weren't truth. And I believed things about myself that had nothing to do with Him. And that people decided who I was and I allowed it because I didn't understand. And Jesus is saying, forgive them. They know not what they do. We're told we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And yet we grow up, what you don't know won't hurt you. What you don't know is destroying you. Well, if I were you, I wouldn't get my hope up. That's a self-preservation phrase. That's people saying, I'd hate you to believe something and get disappointed. Self-preservation phrase. 
Well, if I were you, I wouldn't get my hope up. The Bible says, get your hope sky high. Substance is the faith of things hoped for. Hope is the anchor of your soul passing through the veil into His presence. Hebrews 6. It's all Scripture. Isn't it amazing? The language we grew up with is 180 degrees from the Word of the living God. It's not an accident. We were trained by a lie. We were homeschooled in the wrong home. We were taught by hell itself. Adam didn't just sin. He took on the nature of God's enemy. And he became proud and jealous and self-serving and self-defending and self-protecting and self-justified. And Jesus came and said, If any man is going to follow me, let him first deny himself. Why? Biggest problem on the planet. Men made for God's image waking up for themselves. Christianity getting skewed and perverted and becoming all about us even though we sing it's all about Him. People being able to be discouraged just through the faucets of life instead of encouraged because life is inside of them. (laughs) Are you all good? Because I'm starting to get excited. I'm trying to stay a little calm. (laughs) i got to stay calm or I won't be able to communicate. (laughs) My job is to communicate. Not manifest. (laughs) But I'm borderline (laughs) right now. (laughs) It wouldn't be doing you no good if I just stood up here manifesting. You'd say, does he have fleas? (laughs) But it'll do you good if I communicate. He's touched my heart so deeply. I love him so much. I'm so not ashamed of the gospel. He set me free from me. He got me free from me. From waking up and being me, self-conscious, feeling sorry for myself, hurt, can't believe they said that. Why don't they like me? I wish they'd like me. Driven, insecure, never settled. You'd be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and those things are still prevalent. They're just so masked and they're so subtle that we begin to think it's just normal and everybody lives this way. And it just becomes a way of life and it's survival of the fittest. Doesn't sound like the kingdom of God to me. People holding grudges. People never forgiving and never forgetting when God's mercy is trying to cover us and triumph over judgment and not give us what we deserve. God's living the total opposite than we were trained to function. Love lays down its life for another. We've lived at the expense of each other many times. It's the total opposite. Christianity is not just making a pledge to God. It's not just praying over your food and now I lay me down to sleep. It's not bowing your head and and then praying at the end of the wedding and asking God to bless. It's not just bringing Him into our life. It's Him becoming our life. Christianity is not church attendance. We gather to stir ourselves up. This is not the church. I'm looking at her. We can get so good at doing church and fail to be her. Christianity is Christ-likeness. It's Christ in you. Friend, it's Christ in you. You get the privilege of guarding your own heart. Because out of your heart flows issues of life. You get the privilege, Pastor, of living in faith and not taking people and even members and people that you thought more of that did things you never expect. It's you have the privilege of keeping your heart preserved and never losing sight of why you do what you do because it's for His great name. And it ain't about being heard as a minister and people failing you. I've heard pastors say, Pastor, it would be great if it wasn't for the people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I know we laugh and it sounds like a joke, but it's real to men. Yeah. Why? Because they've been hurt. You try, to, you try to sell that to Jesus on the night He's breaking bread. On the night He's ready to pass the cup. We call it the Last Supper. Everybody's about to forsake Him. He's going to get struck and the sheep are going to scatter. They're all saying they'll die for Him. They're whispering behind the scenes we'll die for Him. He's saying you're all going to scatter. And they're going, uh-uh, not me. I ain't scattering. No, I ain't scattering. I'm sold out. I'm surrendered. When they got the chance, they all ran. <laughs> yeah. If Jesus was a today pastor, He needs a sabbatical. He needs ministry. He needs a breakaway camp to get restored. But He doesn't know how to flinch. All He knows how to do is give His life and lay His life down because He's not here for Himself. I'm just going to make a strong statement and I'm, I'm, I'm not being insensitive to pastors and leaders, but when pastors get hurt and can't function, they got tricked into thinking for themselves. They're no longer thinking for the kingdom. They've taken their lives personal. They've taken injustices personal. And they've heaped things upon one another till they couldn't bear the thought of it anymore. And they haven't walked in their identity in Christ. They've allowed their identity to be their calling, their ministry, and their function. You're a son before you're a pastor. I'm a son before I'm a husband and a dad. I'm a son before I'm a speaker. <laughs> You never let your identity wrap around what you're called to. You let your identity wrap around Him. And nobody owes me a thing. I promise you. I woke up today knowing nobody owes me a thing. That's powerful. That makes you untouchable when you believe that. Because then all you can do is give and love and serve and lay down your life. And you're done being frustrated you're done with first impressions. You're done with judgments. You're done with biased behavior. You're done with subtle, quiet, biased choices. Avoiding, gravitating, comfortable, uncomfortable. You're done. Because it's not about you. Your life is honored to be lived for His name. You think I believe that? And I'm going to have issues today with people? Not a chance, friend. I'm going to be in lines at the airport. Somebody's going to push in front, do the little slide move, just to be one space ahead so maybe they could get their bag in and you might not. That's how people live every day. Yes. And if you let that get on your nerves and under your skin, I would say don't pray for people to change. Get new skin. <laughs> you think I'm going to get so cheap and thin-skinned and sell so cheap now that I've been bought at such a great price that I'm going to let little things like that slowly harden my heart. And now I have a view of men that he's never beheld. And people are this, and people are that. You know how people are? People are this. Oh, I hate travel. What are just oh, People are so selfish. Well, you're slowly becoming a product of what they're not. And you're slowly letting what they don't see decide what you do see. And yet he is the light of the world. You've got to love people. I've been on flights that were oversold. I watched a lady crying so hard she was scared. She never flies. I could tell she never flies. She's scared. She thinks she has to stay overnight in Detroit. She's scared. She's shaking. She tried to go up to the gate agent and I said, ma'am, 
Don't say anything about this or make a fuss. Just put me on the list. I'll take her place and give her my seat. She said, sir, you have a confirmed seat. I said, well, I understand that. She's in trouble. She's shook up. I know she's overreacting. She said, she is. I said, I realize she's pushed too far, but ma'am, let her have my seat. She said, sir, no one gives their seat. You don't, you, can't, you don't give your seat. I said, I know. That's probably a problem, isn't it? That no one would give their seat. I said, put me on the oversold list. Let's get her home. And don't tell her what happened. Just put her on the plane. She calls her name. The lady's over on her cell phone trembling, crying. <laughs> she hears her name. She runs up. She said, ma'am, I, I, I got you a seat. She said, good. Because I need to get on that plane. And she snatched it and just took off through the... And the lady said, that man gave you his seat. She couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I'm like... Because <laughs> I didn't do it for that. I just did it for her. I wasn't using a bullhorn and trying to preach. I was just being kind to her before the Lord. You're not letting your hand know what your other hand... You're just doing it because it's right in God. Look, I just I, check, I checked later. I didn't check first. I checked later. I didn't do it because of convenience. I didn't know when I could get home. I checked later. I only had to sit there two and a half hours. That's amazing. You give up your flight. You think you're there five, four, five, six, or maybe can't even get in tonight. I found out it was only two and a half hours later. I didn't know there was a federal law that when they play that risk and gamble and play the numbers for a oversale, that if it fails, they owe the customer 200% their ticket value. And if you're, if, you're, if you're inconvenienced more than, I think, four hours, they have to pay the max, 1060 or something. My ticket was 433 Delta walks up to me and says, Sir, we apologize for the oversale. Here's your compensation. They hand a check to me written in my name for $866 to sit there for two and a half hours with a meal voucher and watch a playoff football game. <laughs> And the lady's blessed and she's getting home. And I'm living the gospel. I was on a flight to California. I had a straight through from BWI to LAX. Straight through. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going straight through. I looked at my ticket. I knew the big plane we were on. I said, oh my goodness, I'm in 10A. Lord, you put me in 10A. Are you kidding me? You know what 10A is? I think it's better than first class. I'm right behind first class at the bulkhead. I'm in a living room. I can kick off my shoes and put my feet against the wall. I can stretch out. I can turn sideways. I'm against the window. I can sleep if I want to. I can do anything. I can do jumping jacks. I'm in 10A. You know what I'm talking about. I'm like, woo, that's a kingdom seat. I get on my plane. I turn the corner. There's an Indian man sitting in my seat. There's a lady beside her with a big red dot right on her forehead. And there's a lady beside her with a little burka and a red dot. And I said, hey guys. And you know how you do. You just do it. It's weird. It's just, you, you look at your seat. You think, I know that's my seat. He's in my seat. And then what you do is, you re-look at your ticket. And then you look up there. And then you look at him. And you're like saying, I think you're in my seat. He says to me with broken English, Sir, I know people that fly. People fly. People that fly a lot. 
a lot of them don't like flying, so they want their, their convenience. Like, I, you ain't getting my seat is what people are thinking. That's my seat. This guy says, can you? He says, this your seat? This your seat? Yes, sir. I said, uh, are you just trying to stay together? I, I'm hoping you take my seat and let me stay with family. It's 10A, baby. <laughs> Didn't even tempt me. It's 10A. I looked at him and I said, that's absolutely fine, man. I'm glad you can stay with your family. See, there's somebody that took my seat a long time ago. And man, it wasn't a preferred seat. I said, I said, that's fine. Where's your seat? He said, it, 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 30E. You know what 30E is? It's four rows from the back on that plane. And it's in the middle. So I get back there, and I'm walking back there, and he said, 30E, I laughed. I said, there goes my jumping jacks, my living room. But I felt good. I'm keeping a family together. It's not that they can't sit. See, here's what a lot of people would have said. Sir, listen. Your family's going to be in L.A. when we land. They'll be right here. You can sit 20 feet away. It ain't going to kill you. That's my seat. I said, go for it. I go back to 30E. It's hilarious. Computer doesn't know people's sizes and weights. <laughs> I go back there. I got two ladies. I got a lady in D. I got a lady in F. This lady's using a chair and a quarter to a half. This lady's using a chair and a quarter. They both have extensions on their seatbelt. Not being rude, just reality. I go back there and there is two bigger women in the same row. And I'm in the middle. <laughs> And I walk back there, and they're nervous. You could see it in their face. Because when they sat down and saw each other, they thought, I think they made a mistake. The computer made a mistake. I hope whoever sits here is really thin. I get back there, I said, and they look nervous. I said, hey, girl. <laughs> I said, hey, girls. They said, is this your seat? I said, that's my seat. I said, looks like we're going to be close. I said, I know I don't know you. I hope you don't mind, but we're going to have a close ride to L.A. And I just, I got in there and I just, I ain't playing, man. I had to push in. Never, there's no possible way you're putting your arm things down. So I just propped my arms up on their thighs. I said, hey, girls, I talked about Jesus immediately. Told them, don't bother with, don't mind me. I'm just going to be comfortable with you all. We're going to be close. I'm telling you, it was a long flight to L.A. I sat between the two. I was warm the whole way. <laughs> so we get to L.A. I have my weekend and have my hoedown fun time preaching Jesus. My life is fun. I get back to L.A. and I'm going to fly to Baltimore. They call my name. It's never happened like this. They call my name on the same flight on the way home. Call my name to the desk. I'm like, wow, I guess I'm getting upgraded. Because <laughs> I got miles. I got status. No, I got sonship. 
And I got the heart of the living God inside of me. I got Jesus in me. That's what I got. I run up to the desk and the lady said, she said, sir. She said, are you flying alone? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, sir. And she's stumbling a little. She's like, like, letting me know it's hard for her to ask. She said, we have a situation. I said, do you need my seat? You ain't going to believe what seat I have on the way home. What seat do you think I have? I had 10 in. <gasps> the same seat. They're pulling 10A out of me again, buddy. She said, we have a situation. We have a family with children. That's a no-brainer. I don't care if I'm first class, I promise you. We're really hoping to keep them together. I said, honey, it's a no-brainer. I said, put them in there. She said, well, sir, you didn't even, you don't even know what seat I have available in return. <laughs> That's what she said. She's used to passengers. She's used to getting hammered and drilled and people not wanting to budge an inch because they paid. And... She said, you didn't even ask what seat. You don't even know. I said, does it matter? She said, I would think so. <laughs> I said, honey, it doesn't matter at all. If it mattered, it wouldn't be true giving. She just looked at me. I said, I'll sit in any seat you have available. I'm just happy to get home and have a seat. I'm glad to keep the family here. She said, wow. She just looked at me. She said, well, honestly, I have good news for you. I have your window seat. And you'd be able to, you know, still be out of window. I said, well, that's great. And uh, she asked me one more thing about not caring. It stumbled her that I gave my seat without knowing. And that's where I got that line. I said, well, honey, I had an experience. That changed my life forever. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, there was a time that I was in a seat that was so bad. She thought I meant flying. <laughs> I had her so sucked in, man. You talk about hook, line, and sinker. Like, <laughs> I mean, when I set the hook, that thing was, she was gut hooked. <laughs> she just... <laughs> I said, I, I had a seat that was so bad. It was such an undesirable seat. And this guy came. And he said, I'll take your seat. And he had the most incredible seat. And he said, why don't you sit where I sit? And she said, really? She's thinking airline. Really? That happened to you? I said, it sure did, honey, about 20 years ago. His name is Jesus. And she went, oh, oh, that's the most beautiful analogy I ever heard. Her eyes just filled with tears. I said, well, look, honey, see all them people behind me? I'm not judging anyone. You're the one that said, aren't you going to know what's he? Well, I would think it would matter. Why? Because you deal with people every day. And it's rare, rare to have the attitude you see in me. But how many of them people are behind me do you think go to church? I'm not judging anyone. Be real with me. This is rare and it shouldn't be rare. He gave his life. Why can't we give ours? I am honored to keep that family together. I said, can I pray with you? Fire. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> and she's just sitting there weeping at her desk, weeping. You just have impact. You have the privilege of impact 
everywhere you go. Or you can miss the moment. You can miss the moment. See how Holy Spirit helped me? That's the Lord. Oh, that's the Lord. Because I don't have my watch and that little clock's way up there and I was like, time! I panicked for a second. Oh, fear just overtook me. Oh, no. You have this privilege everywhere you are to mark hearts, to leave a legacy, to imprint people, to sow seeds. Be careful you're not caught up with so many details that you're not passing by the moment. Arise, church. Wake up out of sleep. Redeem the time. The day's evil. you got one little life, one little window called life to mark the hearts of men because your heart has been marked. Don't get caught up in trivial things that will mean nothing in the end. Don't get caught up with attitudes and crowds and, and am I going to make my connection and I don't like my seed and I can't believe I'm in the middle. Don't, I can't believe I'm so close to the Jiffy John. To this day, I don't even select my seats. I let the computer sit me where it wants to just so I never get spoiled. Because if I can't sit by the Jiffy John, I have a problem because somebody has to. And if it can't be me, I'm proud. How's that for straight? I keep my heart in check. And I keep my heart in what I believe is humility. And if I can see it in Him, I want it in me. But if I can't see it in Him, I don't want it in Him. Could you picture Jesus on a plane? I ain't sitting there. It stinks. And making somebody else sit there? Where would He sit? So I just let the computer sit in me. It's like roulette, man. It's just you just you never know. You just might have to get between some girls. <laughs> you might just sit by a door that's opening and closing, and it's just not the most pleasant experience in the moment. But somebody's got to sit there. Why can't it never be you? I got on a Southwest flight, first come, first serve seating. I'm in the A section. You walk in in the A section, you got an empty plane, baby. You're like, woohoo, I'm a king. I'll sit wherever I want. You got power. Where seating is concerned. I go in there, there's a mama sitting. And she's on the aisle, and she has a little baby, I'm going to say a year to 14 months old. Little boy. That's what I think I remember him to be. He wasn't older than 14, he was at least a year. He was right now, because he told me, I just don't remember details like that, but. I go in there, and there's hardly anybody on the plane. She's in already because women with children, she went in first, boom, sat down. She's on the aisle in case she has to walk the baby, get out of there. She's on the aisle. I go in and sit right beside her. The whole plane's empty. She panics. Sir, you don't sit here. Why would you sit here? you got the whole plane. She said, you can sit anywhere you want. Why would you sit beside me? I have a little boy. He's not even barely over a year old. I don't even know how he's going to be. I said, honey, that's exactly why I'm sitting here. Because at the end, somebody's going to have to sit here that no way wants to. And I'm honored to sit here. I love children. I'm sitting here for you. She looked at me and said, are you for real? Like what? I said, honey, Jesus changed my life a long time ago. And I perceive these things and I think about these things. My heart's trained to be conscious of others. And I said, the last thing I'm trying to do is sit as far away from you as I can so that the person that wants to sit as far away from you as they can is forced to sit beside you. That's not pretty. That makes you uncomfortable. That makes them angry. And I'd love to avoid that. So I just popped in here because I perceived that. She said, 
I said, that's Jesus. So I'm loving on her little boy and I just love kids. And I just seem like I have a grace with little kids. And I think they see somebody in me. And they feel really comfortable. I was in Arkansas and a mama's talking and she's got a little baby. And I walked up and I laid my stuff. I'm the, I'm the preacher. And I've never been in this church in my life. And the baby's looking right at me. I said, Tiny little baby. She goes, she's crawling over mom's shoulder. Trying to get to me, right? And mama's like, honey, honey. And, and I'm like, and she turns around and she sees her coming to me and she's horrified. The mom, she doesn't even know I'm the speaker. She's like, why is my little girl crawling on that man? Here's why she's freaked out. She won't even go to her girlfriend. She's such a clinger and a mama baby. She can't even get the baby, which is so rare, to go to her girlfriend. And she's crawling over her shoulder to get to me and they don't even know me. And she said, this is amazing. She said, I can't believe she wants to go to you like that. She said, she doesn't go to anybody. I said, honey, I'm not anybody. That's what I said to her. <laughs> and she said, what? And the baby came right to me and nestled into me and the, wife, the mom was freaked out. I was holding her. So this little boy, we're sitting there and I'm talking to the girl. She is so touched. I have total access now to her heart. Who knows that I can minister to her freely. In no time, her little boy is leaning off of her trying to get on my lap. And she said, honey, you don't want to bother the man. I said, do we need to like go over this all again? <laughs> bother the man? Your child doesn't have the ability to be a bother to me. I said, if you wouldn't mind, I know I'm a stranger. But I would be honored to hold your boy. She said, you would hold my boy on the flight? I said, I'd hold him the whole flight if he'd let me. And she's looking at me like, it's a sad thing. She's looking at me like, I never met anybody like you. She's just meeting Jesus. She's meeting Jesus. In me. Yay? I take the little boy. He's sitting on my lap the whole time. I get his little truck out of the bag. I'm doing the little jumping it off the seat onto his leg, and he's belly laughing. <laughs> oh, he really fired up when I went up Mama's arm. I'm like... He's like <laughs> the whole flight, and towards the end, he's out cold on my lap with his head against my chest, and I'm cradling him, just praying over him, blessing him, and speaking things over his life. At the end of the flight, I give him. She says, I just can't thank you. No, I'm just so touched. I said, honey, his name is Jesus. Get to know him, love him, walk in him. Headed on out. I'm on another flight. My seat is banging. We're getting ready to do the safety thing, and my seat's going boom, 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 boom. I got a two and three quarter year old <laughs> right behind me. All of a sudden, my window shade, the ones that are right here, and then there's one in between the seat, it's going shit, boom, shit, boom. And I can feel the tray on the seat behind me going boom, boom, boom. Choo. Boom, boom, boom. It was hilarious. Now, you know what people do? They're sitting there going, you've got to be blanking kidding me. I spent $400 for this ticket, and I've got to have some kids sitting behind me saying, well, I, ain't in the flight. I need a new seat. You gotta out. I didn't pay a ticket to sit in front of some kid. I peeked through the seat to see if I could get a glimpse at who was violating my seat. And I couldn't see her. She's so little. It was a girl. But I saw the dad. And guess what the dad's doing? 
The dad's on a computer. He's so engrossed, he doesn't even see what she's doing. And I'm talking, she is having a hoedown time. She did the shade ten times. She did the tray ten times. And my seat is like it has a mechanical vibration mechanism in it. I'm not exaggerating. And I look, and then he looks up and sees her and freaks out, and she's not even three. Hey, you, you got real tense. You got this. You shouldn't be, you, and he's sitting in her seat, and she doesn't even know what's going on. She's just having fun, and she's playing. She's tiny. Of course you need to train and teach and oversee your children, but freaking out like that on them does nothing good. I spun around immediately when I saw that and jumped up over my seat, and I said, hey, guys. And he's like, hey, man, I am so sorry. Stop. You don't have to apologize for a thing. She's a child. Are you kidding me? I understand you need to father her and stuff, but the truth is, sir, you're on your computer. It caught you off guard. You saw what she was doing, and you freaked out on her. That will never help a thing. Don't freak out on your little girl. Learn to father her and instruct her and teach her, but this is what I want to comfort you in. There's 180 or so people on this plane, and if there's one person on this plane she has no power over, he's sitting right in front of her. So you be at peace. She has no ability to frustrate me. I have nothing but love for you, little girl. He's looking at me like, what planet am I? <laughs> but you know what he's experiencing? Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He renewed my mind when I got saved. I'm not conformed to the world. I don't understand the old ways I used to think anymore. I don't understand the way everybody else is thinking. <laughs> I'm not conformed to the world. I'm transformed by the renewing. That is not an amen scripture on Sunday. That is a way of life. So I gave you these personal testimonies and analogies happen to use airlines. People that fly a lot understand what I'm talking about and the challenges and how you can get formed to an idea. And then when you bring Jesus into the middle of it, people are perplexed. That little girl, I played with her the whole flight. I started to go around the seat and I got her toe. And she said, Daddy, he got me. He got me. And I'd shake her leg and I'd let her go. And then I'd take my fingers around the side of the wall of the plane and she'd be giggling and pulling up her feet so I couldn't get them. And then I'd just kind of stand there like this with my hand. I couldn't see her. And she'd put her foot in my hand so I could squeeze it and catch it. And she'd say, Daddy, he got me. I played with her from the seat I was in. She's behind me the whole flight. And then she finally ended up getting quiet and falling asleep. But I told the guy she has no power, and I explained. I, t I tell her, I said, Jesus changed my life a long time ago. And he didn't understand. Boom, bam, pop. So you be at peace. You be at ease. And train your girl. But don't get frustrated with her. And we're fine. Thank you, sir. Wow, thank you. He didn't even know what to do. He's like, it shouldn't be so rare, should it? Look how many of us believe. We're a little dot on the map. How many people are in church right now in the country? I wonder if we just start living this thing out. I wonder if we start making a statement in our lives and sowing seed. I bet men would get to see the Lord. We can live this way, guys. 10.14, I'm going to pray over you. I said, I'm going to try to quit at 10.14. Look at that, I looked up right on time. Father, I just thank you for the morning. I just thank you for your grace. And I just thank you that you've convicted our hearts.
Father, I thank You that Holy Spirit, You will help us if we're willing. And I thank You for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen? People, you're not going to walk out and just live this because I preached it. You're going to live it because you ask Holy Spirit to help you and you continually tell Him you're willing. And you say, whatever you look like, I want to look like. Whatever you don't look like, I never want to be. Holy Spirit, empower me in the moment to see like you see. I want to walk in love. You start talking to the Lord like that serious when you're all alone. And you watch what happens in your heart and your life. Because He is able. Amen? Amen. Be encouraged. Thanks for letting me come.